Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Good morning, Glenn. Hey, what's up, my brother? My sober coffee loving brother. I know, I know. Hey, we got uh, we got a beautiful day ahead of us. I mean, yesterday worked out well for me. How about you? What was yesterday? Yesterday was another sober day. Oh, it was fantastic. Then it All was right, absolutely fantastic. Just a little behind the counter because you know sometimes real life doesn't always align with these episodes. We uh, we're in the Chicagoland area, oh, and, and just because we. We never know when these episodes are going to drop, right? So, but yesterday we all the forecast, right? All the forecast, and, and in fact, as of ten a.m. yesterday, which was Friday, because we're in the coffee shop right. early here Saturday, you know, it was supposed to get eleven inches of snow here in Chicago. No, more than that. I saw a forecast that said sixteen. Oh my gosh! Guess how much we got? Yeah, Just less zero. than a quarter of an inch. Yeah, less than a quarter. I got nothing in my house. I saw some flurries flying around. Right. Nothing hit the ground. But isn't, I mean, it, isn't it funny? Because that is life. You anticipate something. You're worried about something that you have no idea if it's really going to happen. And look what happened. It didn't transpire anything like the forecasters predicted. You know what that reminds me of? What's that? It reminds me of COVID. Oh, yeah, right. It reminds me of COVID, all these you know, major corporations, and, and even small ones. Oh, you sure. know, they spend tons of money on flying people around, doing the five-year business plan, the three-year, yeah, right. two-year, one-year, six-month business plan. Right. And then COVID comes and... All those plans are right, out the window. Right, I'm not saying yeah. don't plan, but I, I also think it's okay to realize that 80% of the stuff that goes on inside your head is not going to come true. Right, right. right. Yep. So, Hey, so listen, I know we got some, we usually do behind the counter or, or housekeeping, but we got a table for three today and I want to get right to it because oh, I'm super threes. excited. I'm super excited for a table three. So the intro says two guys on their own path to recovery. Well, today we got two guys and a gal uh, on their own path to recovery. And uh, this morning I'm uh, introducing Lisa. Lisa, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Hi, Lisa. And Lisa, you timing of this is perfect. This is my favorite time of day now that I'm sober. I know, right? It's funny. Glenn likes to say he used to curse the mornings. Now he craves them. I love that. I agree with that. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Lisa, do do everyone a favor and pronounce your last name because I read it a bunch of times in the book, but okay. but pronounce right. it. It's pronounced Abalera. Okay, good. I hey, in my brain, I did that right. Yay! Oh, good, good. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> my brain and right usually aren't in the same sentence. But mm-hmm. um, so Lisa is an author. She's uh, part of our series of authors, and uh, that we like to have on the show. And uh, we connected via social media or somehow, some way, the the website. And she said, "So I got this book." And I kind of glanced and it was like, get me to the Abbey. And I'm like, you know, I, I, right away, my brain started thinking the Beatles, right? And, and Abbey and right. And, and so I'm thinking, all right, what's this? And a lot of authors that we've had on and, uh, and we're so grateful that we did. They are, they talk about what they're doing today in, in, in their road to recovery. So we've had some great authors that've got great approaches to recovery and, um, 
that was that was not what I experienced when I picked up Get Me to the Abbey. Um, I uh, I wasn't expecting. I don't know what I was expecting. I'm learning to not have expectations. But um, what I found was a story that I so connected to, and I could go on for hours talking about the book because I really enjoyed it. But I'm going to say two things, and then I'm going to turn it over to the author, Lisa. Um, okay. and with, yes. Um, but there's two things that uh, really jumped out at me. Uh, the one thing that jumped out at me about Get Me to the Abbey um, was that it was a real story um, and, and a story that I so connected with. And um, she had me at the first line, which is, I didn't care about anything except vodka. You know, so I'm like, okay, I can relate to this. And then the entire book was relatable. The last thing I want to segue, use as a segue is uh, in the forward to the book, it says this book is for those still suffering uh, the stranglehold and despair of addiction. May they find unabby. And I just love that. I loved your story. I loved the journey. I loved the personal uh, part of it. So, why don't we uh, why don't we kick off just by letting you just share a little bit about your background and and talking okay. a little bit about your journey, Lisa? Okay, thank you, and uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here with you this morning. Oh, absolutely! Having coffee with me, our mm-hmm. uh, pleasure. Love it. So I am a Midwesterner. I was born and raised in Iowa, the youngest of five girls in a Catholic household. I went to Catholic school for twelve years. And uh, I went to college, and I lived in Wisconsin for 26 years, a great drinking state. So I fit, <laughs> Wait, aren't I they all? Right in. Aren't, aren't they all great drinking states? I've never been in a, in a state that I didn't care to drink in. <laughs> yes. So um, I was just a lifelong drinker. Uh, I drank in college. I drank after college. I, it's like I continued drinking almost the same way in my uh, post-college adult years as I did in college. I was always looking for that opportunity to drink. And like all of us, it just, um, after 40 years of drinking, it caught up with me. And the last year of my drinking, it was uh, the end of 2016, my mother died. And something just happened inside me where I just gave up. I didn't want to live anymore. I uh, I didn't want to live without drinking, and I, I knew I couldn't live, I couldn't sustain how I was drinking. I, I couldn't function. I, I wasn't going to work, mm-hmm. so I decided the easiest path for me was just to, to not live anymore, and that mm-hmm. was my objective, but uh, I, I failed at that objective, and so the beginning of the book starts at my rock bottom mm-hmm. when I was found unconscious. So it's almost like the, be- the beginning of the book could have been the end Absolutely. of my story, but it turned out to be the beginning of my story. And now six years later, and actually six years ago this month, I was probably still in the hospital, mm-hmm. but I, I was in the Abbey during the month of March. So mm-hmm. I during the month of March, I think of March Madness basketball. Oh yeah, you and are uh, you are the big basketball that, fan, right? Yep. 
Yep, and I also think of that month in the Abbey. Yes. When we we had brackets while I was there at the Abbey, which was which is a, a great example of the joy that I started to feel again with yeah. with my fellow Abbeyites, mm-hmm. and that is something that talk about unexpected. Right. I never expected to find that kind of friendship and fellowship and laughter in treatment and I did. Right. And that's what the that's what the book unfolds that story of really hope and and the connectivity. It's so funny because like you said you started the book at the at the bottom, right? At the rock bottom and I connected to it so because that's where my drinking led me to. I didn't want to go on with life. I didn't want to die, but guess what? I did want to die because because I was just in this cycle and it was tragic, right? And that's how the book starts out. And I'm like, oh man, I so connect with that. But then it's a story of hope, um, but it's also a reminder of to us of the dangerous drug that we deal with and 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 the pitfall and the devastation and death of relapse. And, you know, so yeah, I, I, I absolutely couldn't agree with you more that it needed to start somewhere, but you brought, you, you entwined this story of hope and you talk about the Abbey. So um, talk a little bit about the Abbey and, and how you got introduced uh, to, to the Abbey. Okay. So I was in the hospital for a week. And since my plan was foiled, I knew, and my sisters were not going to allow me to go back to my apartment. And so I had accepted the fact that I was, I was, had to return to treatment because this would have been my second time. Mm-hmm. So as the medical team and was proposing options, they brought up this place called the Abbey in Bettendorf, Iowa, which is an hour east of where I lived. I was where I still live, Iowa City, Iowa. And I was, and I wasn't. I wasn't having anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. I was had set my mind on going to treatment in Iowa City. And then they spring this new idea on me. I mean, I felt like I was cooperating, and then they spring this on me. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, that's boy. what you get. So got, that's what you get for. Scammed. Yeah, right. You got scammed, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was defiant. I, you know, they started talking about AA again while I was in the hospital, and I was starting to get. I was starting to dig in again, and. The stubbornness was coming out again, but I, I, I made a phone call just to appease everyone. And I, as I describe it in the book, there was this voice and the voice was so full of serenity and kindness of that phone call. It won me over. It's like something came over me and a decision was made for me and because of that voice i decided okay everyone's right i am going to go to the abbey and lisa, that's how it happened lisa, i've never heard like of surrender it to me. it sounds like surrender to me lisa can we just park there for a second because mm-hmm. i walked away from that moment when you talked about the voice and i really mm-hmm. i i closed the book and i really pondered that because I heard voices in my in my disease when I was really out there, and I and I heard voices, but I I debunked them. I'm like, nope, I'm going on my path. But then there was a voice that came from within me um, the morning I surrendered in October 2018, and 
it was a voice of surrender. It was, but it was soothing. There was something soothing about that surrendering moment. I just love the fact, and and I'll let you get back to your to your story. But I love the fact that we can be a voice to somebody else. We can be that voice, and I really that's what I took away from that. You picked up the phone. This this voice brought soothe and calm to you and acceptance and surrender all that thing with just a gentle voice and we can be the voice to other people so i didn't mean to interrupt but i love that and and the way you oh. spelled that out and that's how i that's how i feel about the book i wanted i want to i wanted to voice and describe my experience mm-hmm. for others to relate to and to to gain some comfort from and mm-hmm. hope right so so i think that was probably like the beginning of signs of things signs were starting to pop up and i didn't recognize that as a sign at the time though right but so i go to the abbey my sister drives me to the abbey and well and you guys are familiar with notre dame because it's right right down the road we're domers (laughs) we're domers okay oh you are domers okay so as we, and I had seen pictures of the Abbey, but you know, small screens on my phone, a computer printout. We drive up to the Abbey and we go, we drive down the street and turn and we turn into the driveway and my sister Martha, she just stopped the car and we both looked up and there's this big gold dome. Oh, uh, looks like, and it we looks both, like the Abbey. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wow. It really, it was, it was, it just stopped us cold right there. She yeah. stopped the car. We looked at it. We looked at each other. My dad went to Notre Dame. Oh. So I went to my first Notre Dame game when I was in seventh grade. And the Golden Dome, you know, it's a symbol of Notre Dame. Yes. You can see it yes. from oh, yeah. right. Interstate 80. And we grew up with Notre Dame football with my dad cursing. Well, he didn't curse, but he screamed. He, he screamed. He screamed. Yes. <laughs> he would get up and walk out of the room. I had a so friend. I had a with... friend who was had no voice on Monday mornings. Literally, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even exaggerating. He would come in horse, you know, just so, horse. So Notre Dame was. We grew up with it, and there was this dome. So that was a, a second big sign, mm-hmm. and just walking in to the halls of the Abbey. I grew up Catholic, so it was hushed. It was when they gave me a tour of the, and I walked into the old chapel that was was untouched. It was not modernized. I, I, something washed over me at that moment too. And I, I remember I started crying. And so I knew right away there was something special about this place. I love it. I love it. I and I I love the fact that the second part of the book, if you will, talks about the bond. And again, I so related coming out of rehab. Uh, there is a bond that I still hold tightly with the people from my twenty-eight day program because we were warriors with the same mission. And some of them, the story didn't turn out well. But some we still bond and 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 talk a little bit about that because that's such a big part of the book. And to me, it talks to the fellowship, the importance of doing this journey together, 
right? We got mm-hmm. into we got into near death all by ourselves, but recovery is all about this camaraderie, this fellowship, this accountability, this talk a little bit about your experience at the Abbey with the group uh, that you so connected with. So I was only one of other, one other female and the rest were men. Mm-hmm. And the counselors kept saying, we're trying to get more females. We're trying to get more females. But as they kept saying that, I was like, I'm okay with these guys. Uh, <laughs> and, I don't want more females. That's right. Drama, right? And yeah, and I like sports. Yeah, so, right. So you know, I had I had something in common with them, and I remember I won't talk about it in too much detail, but it was I think the second night there we had music therapy, ah. and something happened. There was a double entendre, and we were we all were laughing so hard. I mean, the counselor came in and asked, "What is going on in here?" And after that, that music therapy session, something happened where we were, it just kind of changed the dynamic with mm-hmm. us in a good way. Where we were, we, I mean, we had this thing that we talked about for the rest of the time when sure. I was at the Abbey, our inside joke. Right. And it bonded us. Yeah. And because of that bond, I was comfortable talking honestly about my how I felt, about my drinking, about the darkness that I felt those last few months while drinking. And I think it affected everyone the same way. We we all just opened up to each other. Right. Yep. No, it's uh it, it's a fantastic story of of redemption and hope. Yeah, so Lisa, how long were you at the Abbey? I was there for a month, four for weeks. A month? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think back to some of my stints. I mean, there there was one. I mean, it was probably the most relaxed, hilarious, funny time I've had in my life. Right. Just because I had no outside pressure in, in the world, right? I, I I put everything on hold, and I was going to focus on, on you know, sobriety in my 28-day program. And I still have relationships. I mean, that was 10 years ago or so, and I still have relationships today. Right. You know, from that, I mean, I can remember snorting the milk out of my nose sure. i was laughing so hard it was great the community and just camaraderie and, and but but lisa i love what you said um you know first of all when you know when you were beginning to share you talked you said you you gave up right and you didn't want to live anymore it reminded me of kind of the space in my head where i think of the movie leaving las vegas right um yes. i don't know if you've seen that but i mean i am nick cage i that actually is attractive to me, right? Mm-hmm. Going to Vegas, getting 50 bottles of booze in my little motel, $28 a night hotel room, and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, living until the end, right? That's, so that's, but what, what, I, what I loved how you described that, and I just wanted to underline it here before we run out of time, but um, is that what you realized was what you perceived to be your end yes. was really turned out to be your beginning. Right. Yes. And and I just that's just really because I I can relate to that when when I hit my bottom when I didn't have any other options when all of my you know all of Glenn's ideas were running out or proved to be futile yet again you know that was my end of Glenn and that was the beginning of sobriety of surrender and sobriety for me. Right. Now are you um. 
let me let me kind of fast forward. Uh, tell me okay. a little bit about tell me about about your hope. Tell me about Lisa today. Um, I know about your journey. Tell me about Lisa today. Are you actively involved in in your recovery? And if so, how? Uh, so Lisa today. So it's been six years, and I consider this a new phase of my life. Uh, the Iowa City AA community has been fantastic. They helped to reinforce what I had received at the Abbey. Oh, I love that. And although I don't go to meetings as often as I used to, I, I still have friends in right. the, that I that I made in those early days sure. in the Iowa City community. Mm-hmm. And I think the way today that I celebrate my recovery is just every day trying to to uh, live a life of, of peace and kindness and share that everywhere I go, at work, yeah. uh, when I go to the grocery store. I really don't do that much anymore because I discovered I'm an ambivert and I, I drank to be, it helped me to be around people for long periods of time. Right. But now I realize that that I can only be around people for large groups for a couple of hours, and then it, it kind of I right. can it, it, there's an inner barometer that's like I I got to get out of here. I yeah. just need my alone time. I'm I'm a homebody. I get it. So yeah. I I cherish my my alone time, and when I am out in public, I just I just want to share what I have gained from my sobriety with. Everyone I come into contact with. You want to be the voice? I do. I yeah. do. I want it to be contagious. Right. Yep. I love it. And so let's let's talk uh, a little bit about the uh, how people can find you on social media, how they can find your book. I, again, if it doesn't ooze out of me, highly recommend. Great read. Um, it's called Get Me to the Abbey. And tell them how, tell people how you they can get the book and get in touch with you if they need to. Uh, so I have a website, Lisa Av, L-I-S-A-A-V-E dot com. And we'll put that in the resource room. Okay. Okay. And so you can get it through the publisher, Little Creek Press, mm-hmm. which is a small publishing company in Mineral Point, Wisconsin. I'm sorry. And you so you, could, you couldn't at, get Big Creek wouldn't publish for you. So you went to Little Creek? Big Creek, Creek get Press. It. No, you get it. Big Creek wouldn't publish it for you. Lisa, oh. you have to excuse him sometimes. So you went to you went to Little Creek. I get it. See, you are funny. Oh. Don't forget, people say he's the funny one. Don't forget. <laughs> you are funny, and uh, Barnes and Nobles, and also okay. Amazon. Yeah. Oh, Amazon. People have heard of Amazon, right? Uh, I, I think it's a fad. I don't think it's gonna. That's why I got mine. I got mine I from hope Amazon. So. I, and I do have a couple of. Book readings in the Chicago area really? at the end of March. Do, at, me, do me a favor, send me that information. I will post okay. it and I'll send it out in our newsletter. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And wait, when is that? Because I'd love to come meet you. Oh, that would that would be so special. Uh, March 25th, I'm up in Kenosha, which isn't far yeah, from no, right. Kenosha, Wisconsin, at Blue House Books. Okay. And then March 26th, which is a Sunday... I'm in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Oh, that's, Illinois. I, that's really close to me. I Well, close like an hour, okay. but I can do that. All right. Okay. You, never, you never know. We'll talk offline. Oh, so, that would just... Oh. Again, this book is for the still suffering, 
the stronghold and despair of addiction. May they find an Abbey. Thank you for being a voice. That sounds this morning, great. Lisa. Lisa, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on your show. All right, it's thanks. been a pleasure. Right. Take right, care Lisa. now. Thanks. Bye. Have Bye. a great day. All right. Thanks for joining us for today's Coffee Chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.